Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And while last week we focused kind of a a small glimpse into Washington's draft class, today I wanted to dive deeper, peel the layers back on every single pick Washington had, and provide you guys a scheme fit and where I project each athlete to produce this fall and moving forward not just for 2023 but to 2024 2025 and hopefully the seasons beyond that so we're going to go round one to round seven and maybe we'll talk about some udfas i think could have a have a role for washington this fall but and that starts with emmanuel forbes and you look at emmanuel long wiry corner he fits the exact mold that washington loves in their outside defenders. Take a look at Benjamin St. Juice, right? I talk about his 33-inch arms all the time. You look at Cameron Dantzler coming over from Minnesota off waivers this offseason. Another guy with long arms. He fits that bill. Now, he's 165, 170 pounds is what he'll play at. I get that. He's a wiry, wiry, rail frame, rail thin, excuse me, type of corner. We've talked about the ball skills, and I'm sure you guys have heard everything about his instincts, which are indeed off the charts, and I can't wait to see him play on the outside this year. But you look at his scheme fit, and right now, I project him to start right away, week one, opposite of Benjamin St. Just, offering Jack Del Rio two long corners on the perimeter that if you want to play some man, and they'll play some zone, which you know that they lived in these first three years of Jack Del Rio being in Washington, but you want to ask them to work downhill seven, eight yards off, and work at the catch point, and just work downhill, put that foot in the ground, allow you to read receivers, come off a guy, make a play in the flat areas of the defense, work inside the hashes. If Emmanuel sees a a tight end, a little dump-off pass for the middle of the field, and he can read that and jump off his guy and pick it off, he has those instincts to do so. And when I look at Emmanuel Forbes inside this defense and the scheme fit of what the Burgundy and Gold have done in years past is week one, First and 10 from the 25. It's going to be Emmanuel Forbes and Benjamin St. Just aligned about five to seven yards off the line of scrimmage and reading and reacting and where they will be best. But what I do love, folks, is as I mentioned just a couple minutes ago, is he can actually play in man and inside that contact window. He has a lateral agility to work inside that five yards, right? He's not handsy. He wasn't called for a ton of penalties at Mississippi State. And if a guy does scoot past him and he does take a false step and he's got a guy that is able to gain some ground or stack him and really have Forbes at his disposal in the perimeter, whether a guy wants to break to the outside or whether he wants to break to the inside, or or a guy even puts his foot in the ground and accelerates up to fifth gear within the next 10 yards, he has the ability to run. He has the ability to elongate that stride. And if your safeties are in the box and there is no help over top if you're in man and you're not in a, a cover two look, then... You have the simplicity of accelerating up to 4-3 speed within, again, those next 10 yards. So when I look at Emmanuel Forbes' skill set, again, there are going to be so many different conversations about can he play at 170? 
Ladies and gentlemen, please turn on the tape of this young man in the SEC at Mississippi State and tell me, can he play at 170? And take away the ball skills. Take away all that. Take away. And you still, he would still have been a guy that is drafted latest? Late day two. Late day two from the scouting communities if you take away the elite ball skills that he has. That is the type of ball player that Washington is getting if you just take away the ball skills. But that's his game, right? You can't not you can't take away a guy's elite trait. There's not many guys in this class, offense or defense, that you can say they have an elite trait. What do you hang your hat on as a player? You look at the top of the board, quarterback Bryce Young from Alabama. What's his elite trait? Right? What's his elite trait? He's extremely poised. He's extremely confident. That you could say that is something that he obviously carries under center. But an elite trait and something that you hang your hat on as an athlete and as a prospect. And what we're looking at Emmanuel right now, who's never put on the burgundy old helmet yet. We'll see him this Friday when rookie minicamp kicks off in Ashburn. But the bottom line is the instincts and the ball skills that he has and the smarts and the way he competes and produces as such a cerebral athlete where he can match that athletic profile. I love the scheme fit in Washington. And like I said, I do expect him to align and that five to seven yard look uh, a majority of the time this fall opposite of Benjamin St. Juice. So now, talk about the outside corner in Forbes. Let's slide a little bit to the inside. A guy that will make his living inside the hashes or slightly outside the hashes. And that is Quan Martin from Illinois. And when you take a look at this Illinois defense this year that had Devin Witherspoon, that had Sidney Brown Roman the third level... And then you had Quan that provided some outside, inside-out versatility, guy that could really even cut his teeth on special teams if he wanted to. And I look at how important the Buffalo nickel spot has been in Washington in years past. And Derek Forrest, that is his role. We saw how darn good Derek Forrest was last year, really getting his feet wet at the NFL level. But Quan Martin is going to live at nickel corner. I don't expect to see him a ton at the roof. I don't see expect him to play a ton of off-man or, or zone that's 10 yards off the line of scrimmage inside of the box. I expect him to align 3-4 yards off the line of scrimmage at most a majority of the time this year inside the slot to where offenses want to get those free releases. You have more space to your left, you have more space to the right, whether you're motioning a guy in or working that guy motion pre-snap. There are so many different things that offenses do to get their guys inside the slot, usually their best receivers at times, to where you grab a guy like Quan Martin, to where he has those athletic intangibles that we always mention with Washington and Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera valuing those guys with the high athletic profiles. And then you look at him as a football player. Because bottom line, folks, just because you can run fast or jump high or lift weights or you're a good athlete doesn't mean that you're a good football player. So there is a defined difference between being a good athlete and a good football player. But when you can mesh those and you have a heck of a prospect, right? And there's a reason why both Quan and even Emmanuel's guys that will be in the secondary are two top 50 picks. And a reason why obviously with Quan going in the second round. So I fully expect Quan to live at nickel this year. I know Danny Johnson is back. I know a lot of you out there have a soft spot in your heart for a guy like Danny Johnson who really has cut his teeth at the NFL level a lot like with Jeremy Reeves in the safeties room and obviously him becoming an all-pro as a special teamer last year was excellent to see. But with Quan Martin, 
But for me, he's playing over Danny Johnson. He's playing over a guy like Kendall Fuller if they want to throw him in there and get some looks, whether Kendall's here or not, moving into the fall. So Quan Martin, he's nickel one. Manuel Forbes is CB1 opposite of Benjamin St. Just. We're starting here in week one. Now let's get to the big boys. Next two picks, obviously Ricky Stromberg out of Arkansas and big Braden Daniels, versatile lineman out of the Pac-12 and out of Utah. We look at Ricky, and the last time, since I've last talked to you guys, there is no more Chase Rouillet. He is gone as a post-June 1st cut. So now it's Ricky Stromberg, it's Nick Gates, it's Tyler Larson. Those are three guys that are going to compete, but bottom line for me, ladies and gentlemen, is the two guys I expect to compete are Gates and Ricky Stromberg. And when I look at Ricky and someone that has competed his tail off really since coming out of high school, one Power 5 offer, guys, coming into college. And he went down the SEC and Arkansas, started over 10 games as a true freshman in the SEC. There is a massive difference coming out of high school, playing high school ball in the South, and then you're now competing against the SEC. And big boys that we know come out of there every single year because we got two big boys in our defensive line that you guys know well of, obviously in the middle, in Deron Payne and John Allen from the SEC. But you look at Ricky Stromberg, and I've told you guys before as far as how he rose in this pre-draft process just because he understands protections, communicating to the left and to the right and allowing quarterbacks, in this case Arkansas last year with K.J. Jefferson, his ability to keep his eyes up on the secondary, the deeper portions of the intermediate areas of the defense. And that's what I think he'll be able to do right away inside this Washington offense because bottom line, Nick Gates is also learning the offense. Sam Howell, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, the names go on and on. They're also learning this brand new Eric Bieniemy offense that is going to have its pillars. It's going to be RPO centric, a lot what they did in Kansas City, but there's going to be differentiations between their architecture of the offense to whatever defense they face. And that is going to require an extremely smart center that understands every single protection, every single front you're looking at, whether you're running the ball up the two hole, whether you're running outside zone or you're creating outside on quick screens or you're having to anchor for three seconds, allowing guys like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson to take the roof off of a defense. So Ricky Stromberg right now, I feel like he is going to be, I, I, if, if I'm Ron Rivera, I'm giving him every single chance and opportunity to start at center from week one. I think he has the talent to do so. I don't think he's scheme dependent. Uh, he can play in gap. You want to run downhill and create some power looks. You want to run zone, have him to pull. He can do a lot of those things for you within the interior. And he is one of these guys, and I love studying them, that I think their best football is down the road. Now, I don't think that's six, seven years down the road. You don't want to fall into prospects that fall into that narrative of he's two years away from being two years away. That's not Ricky Stromberg. But he is someone to where moving into the middle portions, latter portions of this year into next year is where we're really going to see him develop. A lot like what we saw with Chase Roulier. Let's just hope and knock on wood that Ricky Stromberg can stay healthy enough, obviously, to stay on the football field and reach that performance ceiling. But right now, he's right alongside Nick Gates. I know Nick's a veteran in this league, coming off a nasty injury. Great story. Love his physicality. Love his nature and brand of football that he plays. But Ricky carries a lot of those different things, and he's also young as well. Now, Nick's not old, but Ricky is younger. SEC experience coming in learning a new offense, extremely cerebral athlete. As I've mentioned, I love the fit. And I, again, going to give him every chance to compete and start at center from week one this summer. So him and Nick Gates, I think going to have a hell of a battle in training camp this year to see who aligns week one in front 
of Sam Howell. So now let's move to Braden Daniels, and I want you guys to think about the role in years past that a guy like Ty Insecki played as that swing tackle, or think about Wes Schweitzer over the last few years as that swing guard. Braden Daniels really can fill those roles in one jersey. Now, Cornelius Lucas, right, is still on the roster. I think he's going to be that emergency swing tackle right away because playing guard and playing tackle in the NFL, folks, is a big difference. But when you look at Braden Daniels in the Pac-12 at Utah, Power 5 experience, there are some technical deficiencies I want him to continue to work on. He's an extremely athletic guy. He can move in space, and he has that versatility, as I mentioned, to where guys, bottom line, if he had to play center in a pinch, he probably could. Again, I don't think he ever will, but is someone that has that athletic profile, the feet, the hands, the ability to match his eyes and feet, whether he's facing a 230-pound hybrid rusher in Nolan Smith coming off the edge in Philly, or he's facing a guy like Micah Parsons or a bigger kid in Demarcus Lawrence down in Dallas. You want him at tackle? Play him at tackle and develop him there. You want to play him at guard and compete with guys like Andrew Norwell and compete with guys on the right side, which where we think we will see Sam Cosme, or you drafted Chris Paul on day three last year as well, who did a nice job in that last Dallas game, earned a, earned a spot, earned the starting nod, a little opportunity to get his feet wet. Thought he did a nice job. More bodies to compete. And I really really am intrigued with what Braden Daniels can do because he it's not just that he has the versatility, it's the ability to come in and produce at the spot and not have any hiccups if someone were to go out. So I don't see Braden Daniels as a starter right now, but when you look at Washington's offense, Sam Howell's going to create with his legs this fall, folks. Brian Robinson, we know what he is going to offer. Antonio Gibson's going to be in space. Chris Rodriguez is going to have a role, most likely as that downhill punch. But you're going to have guys in the perimeter areas of the offense where you're going to ask offensive linemen to get out and, and quickly set these little bubble screens or tunnels and smokes, whatever you want to call them, for Jahan and for Curtis and for Terry. Those things are going to have to be asked of the offensive line to get out there and do that. We saw times last year, Trey Turner couldn't get out there, right? Andrew Norwell couldn't get out there. Now, Andrew was not bad. There were times where he was bad, but as a whole, he was average at guard, I would say, in my opinion, last year. But you're getting a guy in Braden Daniels, again, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to come in and compete and matches that football type of knowledge and football ability with an athletic profile that they obviously like and Pac-12 experience to where, again, don't expect him starting in week one, but if we move forward towards the middle portions, latter portions of the season, where unfortunately injuries are a part of the game, and we will see as far as the track and the overall arc of Washington's campaign. Are they succeeding? Are they in the race for the NFC East? Are they in the race for an NFC wildcard spot? Who knows? Or are they going to be in a fight for a top 15 pick again? Top 10 pick. That's going to give probably younger guys opportunity to play. But right now, with these last two guys that I mentioned, and Ricky and Braden, younger guys in the interior, but also have the pop to start right away if they have to. But again, I don't expect Braden Daniels to start come week one. Now let's move to the opposite side of the ball. And KJ Henry from Clemson, folks, is going to push the hell out of Chase Young and Montez Sweat. And it is what they need. Because guys, Shaka Tony, look, not gonna be he's gonna be playing this year. Right? The gambling suspension came down. 2023, no Shaka Tony. James Smith Williams, William Bradley King, Casey Tuhill, Effie Obata had some nice flashes last year. But you gotta get guys that push. And right now, I'm not expecting KJ to come in and be a three-down guy right away. He's got work to do in the run game, so I'm not throwing him in on first and second downs right now, whether team wants to run on the down or obviously pass or play action or some unique looks. 
But him coming in and pushing Chase and pushing Montez is something that they've needed for a long time. It was so nice to see Montez break out last year. But the bottom line, folks, is that it took him how long? It took him how long? And that's my point. And then Chase Young, excellent 2020 season, right? The COVID year. Everybody hated the COVID year. It was really blowing away to everyone's history books because of COVID and what was going on around the world. But he had an excellent year and was defensive rookie of the year. Then 2021 happens, right? And the injury, and he's basically out all of last year except for the latter portions of the season where he didn't look 100%. This year is obviously so big for both of them. Do they want to be in D.C.? I don't know how Washington's going to pay both. It's either going to be Chase or either it's going to be Montez. So I think we are going to get the best out of both guys this year. You guys know already that the team declined Chase Young's fifth-year option. That's an eye-opener. Then you come and draft a guy like KJ Henry. And they drafted a guy in day three like Andre Jones, who we'll get to in a minute, who I also like. But looking at KJ Henry with Power 5 experience in the ACC, he's got a nice pass rush repertoire where I think his ceiling is a little bit untapped. I think he's just scratching the surface as far as what he can be off the edge. He's got a grown man's body. I love seeing him down at the Senior Bowl in a neutral environment with some of the best senior eligible offensive linemen where he won a lot of his one-on-one reps. He provides a player off the edge to where edge three, that DPR on third downs, you get a team in third and six, third and seven or longer to where you really want to ask guys off the edge to pin their ears back. Maybe you th- maybe you show some unique looks. I'm looking forward to Jack Del Rio being really exotic this year, guys. You got Duran and John in the middle. Why not put a guy like KJ Henry on one side? Put Chase Young at three tech. Put Montez on the opposite side. Show a blitzer and through the A-gaps. Be unique in what you're doing. You have athletes like this. You, we, Everybody already knows the four guys that starts along the interior. But now with KJ, you're getting some depth. And you do have Casey Tuhill and F.A. Obata, veterans in this league, that are fine. I like Casey Tuhill. I really do. I think he's a guy that brings his lunch pail to work every day. Not a guy that's going to have seven, eight sacks for you every year, but he can play 45% of the defensive downs if you have to, and he's someone that can rush from a variety of spots. Stand him up, put his hand in the dirt, veteran in the locker room. You can never have enough guys like that. But now, getting a guy like K.J. Henry to where he will push everybody and also push himself because of the individual that individual that he is as far as just someone that, like Casey, bring their lunch pail to work every day and get better and better and better, whether that's on the field, in the locker room, improving that morale in a locker room that really hasn't had much success, guys, in the last, since the turn of the millennium, gotta get some guys in the building that are used to winning. You're coming from Clemson, right? That matters. So KJ's a guy that's gonna work his tail off to consistently be able to push number 99, number 90. That's exactly what they need this year. And I'm excited to see his development immediately along that defensive front. And then let's go to Chris Rodriguez, right? It's the second to last pick in this draft with the 193rd overall selection in the sixth round is Chris Rodriguez out of Kentucky. Again, guys, bottom line, guy missed four games this year and almost rushed for a thousand yards. And I was, like I mentioned in the prior podcast, if you guys miss it, you can turn back to my last episode where I did a quick little recap of each pick. But now with the scheme fit, I do expect Chris Rodriguez to have a substantial role, potentially an RB2 role, behind Brian Robinson because they did not address that quote-unquote third-down scat-back in-space type of athlete that J.D. McKissick was when on the football field. And then Chris Rodriguez... Bigger back, looks like Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. He's not Peyton Barber. He has more juice outside the tackles, but he's that north-south downhill runner that you can feed 
seven to 12 times a game if you have to. And if Brian, knock on wood, were to suffer an injury or anything unforeseen, right? He could come in and potentially holster that workload because he did it in college and he did it in the SEC and he had a lot of success doing it to a Kentucky offense last year that Will Levis, I'm not going to go into Will Levis, but there were excuses along the offensive line. There were excuses that were the receivers were too young. Who would they turn to? It was Chris Rodriguez. Handed off to him 25 times a game and asked him to keep the Wildcats in the football game. And that's exactly what he did. So he's a grown man at running back. Again, lives on that north-south plane, but I think he's got good feet to jump cut and do some little different things along the front five to where it's not just he needs a tunnel to create. He can hit those cutback lanes. He can bounce off tackles. Nice contact balance. It's not going to take one guy. He takes it disrespectfully when a guy takes him down one-on-one. We saw that down at the Senior Bowl a lot. He's going to stick his face in and pass pro. He's a motivated young man, someone that is committed to his craft. That's the type of players that we know Martin Mayhew loves to have in the building. And I'm excited to see what Chris Rodriguez can do. Because as I mentioned with the prior other positions, he's going to push guys like Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson for snaps. And that is the type of mentality that you need. Because bottom line, we can look at all the talent on either side of the ball, but 500 and sub 500 football ain't going to cut it. There's too much talent in the building to be bad or to be average again moving into 2023 and the years beyond that and getting guys at every position that will compete their tails off for snaps because snaps are earned. They're not given. That is the mantra that I've respected from Ron Rivera over these last few years, except for, of course, the decision for Carson Wentz last fall. But with Chris Rodriguez in the building, I'm excited to see him compete with Brian and with Antonio. And then finally, in the seventh round, Andre Jones Jr., an edge from Louisiana Lafayette, the second straight year that Washington took a former Raging Cajun, obviously taking safety Percy Butler last year early on day three. But just a sneak peek for you guys, I will be going live with Andre Jones on Twitter Spaces on my Twitter profile, underscore Ryan Fowler, if you don't follow me there already, on Wednesday May 10th at 10 a.m. We're just going to be talking ball about his future in Washington, his draft process, things that he's been working on, how excited he is to be in the room with guys like Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and obviously the defensive line in that group, a young, hungry defense, and obviously a talented roster. So again, I will be chatting with Andre Jones, Washington's seventh round pick, live on Twitter Spaces on Wednesday, May 10th at 10 Eastern. Hope you guys are able to tune in there. But when you look at his his skill set, Long, length, length, long, length. Those are the words, right, that come into play when you think about Andre Jones. And that length on the outside, it matters immensely, especially when you're here late on day three and you're looking for traits to bet on with players. And we know there's a couple positions, guys, in the league and in football. Bottom line, you can never have enough wide receivers to understand how to separate. You can never have enough corners to understand how to cover. And you can never have enough edge rushers that understand how to get home. Now, Andre wasn't overwhelmingly dynamic in the Sun Belt for Louisiana Lafayette, but he is someone that drew a lot of attention. You saw a lot of chips. You saw a lot of teams make him rush twice. What that means, he had to beat the tight end, then had to beat the tackle. So he had to beat two guys to eventually get home. By that time, he was engaged with the offensive tackle. That ball's already out of the quarterback's hands. But then you project him into this Washington front four to where I do think he's going to have to 
succeed in the preseason where he's going to get a ton of reps and obviously showcase himself well in camp against tackles like Andrew Wiley, guys like Charles Leno and Cornelius Lucas, guys like Braden Daniels that we just talked about that are going to be on the outside. He's going to have to showcase himself to earn a roster spot in that final 53 or he's going to end up on the practice squad. And there's nothing wrong with that because, again, I do like the skill set that he has and he is a nice ball of clay to progress and to build within this defense to where you do not know if Chase Young or Montez Sweat are flat out going to be here in the years to come. You lose those two guys and your starting edges right now are KJ Henry F.A. Obata, and some sort of nation of Casey Tuhill, William Bradley King, and James Smith-Williams. That's it, guys, right now. So getting guys like this late on day three that have some traits, that have some tools, some at the athletic profile that we talked about, not as dynamic as a K.J. Henry, and sure as hell not as dynamic, obviously, as the guys that I've continually mentioned in this pod. But he does have the length, strength, power, convert speed to power, the ability to set the edge in the run with that length in the arm, to stick out that right arm. If he's on the outside the right tackle, stick out that inside right arm and set that edge and work to the flat areas of the defense and force guys back inside. So you're letting the Cody Bartons of the Jamin Davises and the Derek Forrest, Cam Curl flying in downhill, those types of guys to make plays on the ball carrier. He did that well at Louisiana Lafayette that popped a ton on film. He just is a ball of clay that intrigues me a hell of a lot on the perimeter, off the edge, behind these guys as DPRs right away, where I think he will earn a roster spot because they need fresh legs with some juice and some guys that can pin their ears back and get after the passer with some success. So that is every single pick as far as scheme fit for Washington's rookie class. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, please leave a like, review, share, subscribe. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your news, your sports, you can find us at, again, I mentioned on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler. All my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com, including more audio and video content. And of course, guys, again, May 10th on Wednesday, 10 a.m., I will be live on Twitter Spaces talking with Mr. Andre Jones from Louisiana Lafayette. We're just going to be talking ball for a good 10-15 minutes. Hope you guys can tune in on Wednesday morning. So, always appreciate you guys' time. I will talk to you next Monday and hopefully see you guys again on Wednesday morning in my Twitter spaces with Andre. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.